Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome back, everybody. I've got a great deal of things to go over here. Um, I've got some sex-related stories in education. There's been a lot of that recently. Um, let's see, a bunch of jab-related things as well. Of course, Deborah Burks, the scarf queen herself, has now admitted that the shots don't work. They were manipulating one another within those task force meetings. A lot of dirt sort of related to all of that. I want to talk about Simone Gold a little bit later, too, because she, uh, she keeps perpetuating her own lies over and over again, and she's doing whatever she can to basically make all the rounds and play the, play the constant victim, which I think is awfully ridiculous of her. And then I've got a little bit of an article here at the end that sort of summarizes a lot of what's already happened and, and what's going to happen, I think, coming down the line. It's a very well-written article, but uh, here's what I'd like to do first. I want to spend some time talking about the last episode with Kimberly Reichs and sort of the waking up process. Now, you may actually recall Kimberly Reichs because as it turns out, although I didn't know her name back then, but I remember seeing her school board video and a lot of the things, again, that she was saying within these school board meetings where she lives regarding the mask wearing of children and students and uh, her own daughter, of course, ending up with staph infection along with other infections beforehand as a result of, of the mask wearing. The first time that I saw those videos, I thought to myself that the only move that she needed to make at the time was to remove her child from that environment. That was the first thing that I thought. In fact, I said that on this very show. I said, again, and you've heard me say this, that I've been critical of, of parents who are sending their children to schools where these schools are openly abusing their children, and yet they continuously send them back. Um, I'm not backing down from that, and I'm not backing away from that stance. I, I, st I will always stay with that and stick with that. What, what is interesting is that, again, not everybody is waking up at the right time, and not everybody's path is the same. So as I continue to sort of describe a number of other things here related to this and sort of this awakening process for all of us, I would encourage people to imagine a mountain. And at the top of that mountain is some ultimate level of consciousness, and you can call it whatever you'd like. But I think that a great deal of us are working our way up that mountain as best we can. And we're looking behind us with our arms stretched out, and we're trying to bring people with us. And whether that's we bring them closer to our path, or we bring them on their own path, but sort of in the same direction. And of course, we know that mountains are not one-dimensional. They wrap all the way around. But if you're not climbing the mountain, then you're either staying on a particular level of that mountain, or you're falling backwards. And then, of course, there are people who aren't even climbing. They're at the bottom of the mountain, and they don't even know that there's a mountain there that is worth climbing and that needs to be climbed. I, I firmly believe that Kimberly Reichs is headed in the right direction. Again, you know that I'm not a parent and I'm not married, uh, but I have been in the education business practically my entire life. 
And the moment back in 2020 when they closed schools, that's again, and you've heard me say this a million times, but that's when I started to say, this ship has sailed now. They've shown their hand. They're going to fall like dominoes. Then it's going to be mask wearing. Then it's going to be shot taking. Then it's going to be, you know, mass die offs and a number of other things. This is all happening. And I would encourage people to also consider this, that we are on a battlefield, and that battlefield is a very serious battlefield. And in my professional estimation and personal estimation, I do not think that children belong on that battlefield. This is a battlefield for adults, but at the same time, we have a responsibility to tell children about what's going on on that battlefield on a day-in and day-out basis. But what we don't do, hopefully, is consistently send them into the actual battlefield itself. And American schools, colleges, universities, it doesn't matter what level of quote-unquote formal education you're talking about. It is a battlefield. And I just don't think that that's the place for children. Um. Again, I'm not Kimberly Rikes. Uh, I'm not. I'm not married. I don't have seven children. I'm not a. I'm not a housewife. And uh, you know, I'm. I'm not touring the country, giving talks about my own experience with my own daughter. But again, if I was in a position like that, and it's easy to say the following, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't personally be. Knowing, I'll start by saying this, knowing what I know, me personally, I would, I would not be traveling the country telling people about the abuse of my child while still sending my children to these environments. If an individual has the ability to homeschool, then they should do that. I've suggested a Becca.com on this show numerous, on numerous occasions. I link it in the description below of all of my war videos on BitChute, the same thing is true with Calvert Education. These programs exist. And unfortunately, the indoctrination, as we know, stretches right through adults and parents themselves to where they believe that we need the government system so bad that we have to do whatever we can to change that government system to accommodate us. When in fact, that's not what needs to happen in my in my professional opinion, we need to walk away and let them crumble to the ground. They're too far gone. These, these buildings and these institutions are just too far gone. I would make another suggestion, frankly, to anyone. I've even written about this at length. And this is a generational shift that I have seen personally among my generation, which I find to be disappointing. I've even seen it with some of my own family members, but there is this thing that has occurred when it comes to raising children where children are given choices by their parents. They're asked questions and they're given choices. Would you like to do this? Would you like to do this? Or would you like to do this? We could do this or we could do this. Would you like to go here? Would you like to go there? When I was being raised, there were no choices. We were not asked questions. We were told what to do, and we did it. And if we didn't do it, there were consequences. And we knew what those consequences were, and they weren't good. Basically, we didn't have a choice. 
And that's the way that it should have been. Now, I was raised again by very competent parents, married, biological parents, nuclear family. Somewhere along the line between the baby boomer generation and my generation, which would be the millennial generation, um, choices came along when it came to raising children. And it's a huge mistake, I think. So when it comes to parents and talking with their children again about would they like to go into these environments that are abusing them and indoctrinating them and having them wear masks and then giving them the choice to do so? Me, personally, again, I disagree with that. If you know the environment is dangerous and you know the environment is unhealthy and indoctrinating them, you don't give them the choice. In fact, you tell them what to do. And if telling them what to do and not giving them a choice by pulling them out of school and saying, I'm pulling you out and there's, there's, you have no choice in the matter and you have no say in the matter. I'm the parent. You're the child. I'm the adult. You're not. I know more than you do about what's going on. That's certainly an approach to take, and I highly encourage that approach. I would take it a step further, knowing what Leon, Leonardo da Vinci said about people, that you have people who see you have people who will see when shown, and then you have people who will never see. Help your children see what's going on by showing them what's going on. Show them these news articles and degenerate videos of endless things occurring with pedophile teachers and school board members and crime and corruption. Tell them about all of this. Tell them that the American K-12 school apparatus is a nightmare. It is a literal dream, and it just so happens that it is a nightmare. And that it isn't something that anyone needs to really participate in, certainly not children, and not innocent children, because they are the prey. So it's not just a matter of looking at them and saying, we're homeschooling you, this is the way it's going to be, you don't have a choice. That can certainly be the only way you choose, and that's fine. I would just do that, and then I would take it a step further, and I would show them the videos. Again, show them the evidence. Show it to them. And then explain to them that there are countless individuals who homeschool, and they are smarter than the students who attend public schools. Again, you know, you've heard me say this consistently on this show. And again, I, I mean absolutely no offense to Kimberly. I, I respect her greatly, and I know that as she climbs that mountain, that she herself is, is bringing people with her who are more asleep. She's bringing people with her who are not as awake as, say, she is. But there are people who are more awake than she is. Because again, everybody's taking a different path, but at least we're, we're on the mountain, and we're working our way up the mountain. And so, yes, you know, I, I, as soon as she started talking about uh, her child and the abuse, again, my immediate thought was, why are you traveling the country and why are you not spending time with your children, raising them at home and teaching them at home through homeschooling programs and pulling them out? Because, again, there's the lead by example method as well. 
that if you want to lead by example, you pull them out immediately. As soon as they say we're masking or we're distancing or as some of the schools around where I live, you have to walk around with a plastic shield in your hand and put it up in your desk like a good little robot because, uh, you know, we believe that sneezes and coughs are responsible for illness when in fact they are not. You know, this is the kind of psychological torture, and it is quite literally that, that has been imposed on everyone who has had to watch, listen to, and experience all of what's occurring. Um, there's so much more that I could say on, on all of this. I would just want people who listen to this show more frequently, and you know my stance on all of this, to understand that I'm not backing down from the, anything that I've said. I'm glad that Kimberly was on. Uh, we exchanged information. You know, we have a Zoom call set up where I can potentially teach her about some more local issues and, and how to go after these people locally. But what she may realize is that she'll have more time to go after the enemy when her children are not on the battlefield. That if she takes her children out of school, and homeschools them, she can accomplish the same kinds of things that don't involve traveling the country with General Flynn and all these other all these other groups and you know some of them are grifters uh, and they're and they're just you know they're just sort of using the common person in order to put money in their own pockets i would I would be very careful around these people. And frankly, you've heard me say it, that you'll never find me on a stage with these people. I just won't do it. I haven't been invited, and that's for good reason. Because, and I, well, I'll tell you what, I'll mention this too, because it's, it certainly ties in. And I'm not trying to, again, make this about myself, but I don't have much of a choice here. Um, the reason that I'm not getting phone calls around this particular issue of, of education, and you see articles from Chris Rufo and Charlie Kirk and all these other people, because they're all tied in with these organizations and I am not. I've called out these organizations as being fraudulent, and I've called, I've called these guys out as being fraudulent because they're not educators. They never have been. And the moment that you have a former educator who happens to be a whistleblower about sexual crime and corruption and a variety of other things, not to mention degrees and books, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. When you have someone like that going around and talking consistently to groups of people, they, it, it immediately delegitimizes all of those other individual movements because they don't have the same credentials that I have. Now, with that said, it doesn't take credentials to talk about these issues. However, it helps. And you've heard me say this, you know, how often do you see former school teachers, K-12 school teachers, or even university professors, but specifically K-12 school teachers, talking about what's going on consistently within K-12 schools on the mainstream media? You don't. Even these Fox News contributors, quote-unquote, are not former school teachers. They know nothing about the business. They haphazardly talk about it through what Rush Limbaugh would call the drive-by media, drive-by headlines, and all of that stuff. 
And that's a very real thing, and that happens consistently. But it's not an accident because the moment that someone with books and degrees and the experience and someone who's been to hell and back against these state departments of education immediately shows up on the scene, that person delegitimizes everybody else with their experience and with their credentials and with what they're saying to be true. They can't have that person out there. They have to have the likes of the Charlie Kirks and the Chris Rufos and all these other people, the Clay Clarks of the world and what, whatever else. They have to have those people out there because, again, they all get to just echo what each other is saying. Just like Simone Gold, which I'll mention her toward the end of this episode, but same kind of thing. They have to have people just being parrots and saying the same stuff over and over and over again rather than having f- focusing on parents homeschooling and saving their families and saving their children and then fighting from their home, which you've heard me say is your castle. You fight from your castle if you can. Yes, go out and meet the enemy where they are and destroy them out there too, but you have to save yourself where you are. Then you can fight the enemy at a time and choosing of your place and, and of your, you know, at, at your leisure. Again, fixing these school boards and fixing these schools is an impossible task. And I quite literally mean impossible. I fully understand that people have successfully gotten rid of perverse books out of their schools and they've flipped school board members and this, that, and the other. But flipping school board members and getting rid of perverse books is not enough. You have to fire superintendents. You have to get rid of HR directors. You've heard me run down the line before. And it's a long line, and it's a long list, and it's not an overnight thing, and it takes time. But there's too much talk, I'm afraid, among some of these groups and organizations about how we just need to fix it. Because once we fix it, we'll, we'll never give it back again, and it will always stay that way. The easiest way to fix it is to let it be destroyed. You walk away from it. Walking away from government, which is what schools are, doesn't give government any more power over you. Eventually, they'll have to close their doors. Again, take one town in America, just one. I don't care the population number. It doesn't matter. Take one town. If one town pulls all of their children out of that school, within six months, that school will close. They'll try to stay afloat for a month. They'll have to keep paying teachers. They'll even beg. They'll beg people to come back to their schools. They'll beg. They'll send letters. They'll drive right up to your flipping door and knock on your front door. Please come back to the school. You know, we're changing and we've made a better place and blah, blah, blah. That will happen and it has already happened. Remember the summer of 2020 when school teachers were driving around in their cars? with their masks on, making signs, and having students stand outside of their own homes on their own property. And they were saying, we're here for you. Don't worry, we haven't gone anywhere. We're here for you. We're looking forward to the day when you can come back and you can be in our class. We're looking forward to that day. What happened when that, ultimate, when that time came? Those children had to go back and they had to wear a mask. They had to wear a mask in gym class. They had to throw up in their mask. 
These are the things that had to happen. They had to pass out, fall on their face. It's an abusive environment. Stop sending your children to these environments. Again, <laughs> you know, you, you, you also heard me, in particular at the very beginning of this, of this show, back in October of 2020, there was a website that I would consistently read from, and it was titled nomasksforkids.com. You may recall that. I even included a great number of those posts within my last book, The Unmasking of American Schools. On that website, there were numerous posts of parents who were starting to wake up but you could still see that they were asleep because, again, much like Kimberly, and I'm not making fun of her. That's not what I'm doing, so I don't want anybody to think that, and I certainly don't want her to think that because that's not true. I want to make fun of somebody, which I will later with Simone Gold. You'll, uh, you'll hear it. But Kimberly is, is waking up, but Kimberly may not know also that she's not alone in this awakening process regarding the mask wearing of children. Because on nomaskforkids.com, and I, I think it's still there, and I'm sure you could still look it up, there are endless posts from parents who are consistently getting on a computer, typing out their child's abuse, and then sending their children back to that abusive environment. It doesn't equate. There's a plug there that's, that's missing. There's something there that's not connected yet. And then many of those posts also included children becoming remarkably ill, parents filling, attempting to have their doctors fill out medical exemptions for masks, and then still sending their children to these environments. Again, with a face shield or, well, they can take the mask down from time to time and you're talking about a level of stupidity within K-12 employees themselves that is next-level stupidity because the die has been cast on child abuse now. It's been sanctioned. It's allowed to happen. It's been allowed to happen. And here we are, the end of July, the last full week of July, and right around the corner. Within another week or two, schools are going to start opening all over the United States, in particular in the state of Florida. Now, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm glad that a lot of schools have said we're not masking. Ladies and gentlemen, if health departments start to squeeze, schools will just do what the health departments want, because that's what happened the last time. So again, it's a battlefield. And on that website, again, nomasforkids.com, a lot of parents were giving their kids the choice. There were posts quite vividly that would say, my kid came home today, they were sick, they were coughing, they had acne on their face from the mask, they said they didn't want to go back. I said, I'm sorry, but you kind of have to, but I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do, says the parent. I don't know what to do. That means that you've already relinquished your responsibility as a parent to government when you say you don't know what to do with your own child. That's a problem. That's a big problem. 
And there are endless people out there who, who unfortunately, believe that, and, and that is the case. But I would encourage anybody and everybody to basically understand that people are waking up at their own pace. Kimberly Rice is certainly one of those people that's waking up. Again, me personally, I wouldn't have sent my child back. The moment that they kick children out of school for this fake thing that they call COVID, which isn't even real, the moment that they did that, knowing again what I know, which of course isn't what everyone else knows, and people know far more than I do, but that would have been the final straw. Now, of course, knowing who I am, I wouldn't have sent, and knowing what I know, I wouldn't have sent my children into a public school system to begin with. That wouldn't have happened. But I understand that people feel they need to do that. I would also encourage those people who are feeling that way to understand that here on this show, I've talked with numerous parents who have fought school systems while sending their children to school. They have also quit their jobs to homeschool their children because they've said enough is enough. We're done. I'm not doing this anymore. And for every single parent that made that move of quitting their job, realigning their family, and doing what they could to homeschool their child, they don't regret it. Not a single one of them regrets it. Now, you take into account something like a single parent who, again, has one or more children. I understand that this can be a difficult task. I also understand the importance of raising civil and polite adults. Because again, you've heard me say that, that when you have children, you're not raising children, you're raising adults. You want them to be adults. The fastest way to do that is to expose them to the real world that we live in as much as humanly possible, not to overwhelm them and make them afraid, but you make them aware. And if they can read and they can write and they're literate, then they can teach themselves. You know, it's the rare middle school student that doesn't want to be treated like an adult. And I'm not saying, again, that leaving children home all day long is necessarily a healthy thing. However, there's going to come a time in their lives where they're going to be on their own. And we live in different times now. Again, there's a lot of different posts out there, you know, some funny memes, some really interesting stories, but one of them that was bouncing around last week that I tossed up on my gab had to do with kids of my generation, the, you know, the kids that, and, and even the younger kids in, in previous generations. I mean, we would ride our bikes all day long. We would eat breakfast and then we'd get on our bikes and we'd go bike riding. We'd go play outside all day long. And then we wouldn't come home until it was dinner time. That was my generation, that was, that was previous generations, my parents' generation, and so on and so on. But I understand that we live in more dangerous times, so to speak. But again, if you, if you give a child some silence and you give a child who, who can read and write the opportunity to be quiet 
on their own in their own environment. They can listen to their own head. And that's not a bad thing. And then, of course, at the end of the day, say, for example, the single parent comes home. The first move the single parent should say is that they love their child and show me what you learned today. Because these programs that exist online, like Abeka and Calvert Education, there are things that you do by yourself 95% of the time. But if you want to talk to a teacher or you need assistance from a teacher, they are available online to do so. Again, this involves the parent learning along with the child how these programs work. And you've heard me say this, and I'm going to keep saying it, in particular here because we're coming up against crunch time, so to speak. But here we are, at, you know, toward the end of the seeming summer, I guess. Uh, with July, you know, with, with August right around the corner, with school starting, to waste time now, not investigating homeschooling programs, is a mistake. People need to invest time into looking into these and do your homework and read about it and and learn about it. Put the enemy to you know on on the back burner for a little while, and focus on the family and focus on protecting your children. This is the only way that the education system that is corrupt to the core gets destroyed, is with your lack of participation. You walk away. You pull your children out. If all these teachers want smaller classrooms, damn it, I say give it to them. Give them smaller classrooms. Our classrooms are too big. Our numbers are too big. We have too many students. Great. We're pulling them out because your piece is a trash and we want nothing to do with you anymore. Pull them out then. Give them exactly what they ask for. Because again, this coming school year, when the shit hits the fan, you don't want your child on that battlefield anymore because that's not fair to the children. That's not fair to them. They don't have that coming. And if you're if if this is an army and you and you treat your family as an army, you're the general as the parent. Your children are the privates. They're the ones that are supposed to do what the general says. Unfortunately, there are countless people that have no idea that we're at war. And they just serve their children up to government. And it's game over for them. Because they're going to be the ones that are back wearing masks. They're going to be the ones back playing the games. And the parent is going to be the one getting mad. And then you're going to watch the mental and emotional decline of your child in real time again. How much more do you think your child can take? How much more do you think your children can take? Because the homeschooling children aren't having to deal with this. They're not. They're learning about the war, the homeschooling child is. They're watching BitChute. They're on Telegram. They're reading Gab. They're on these platforms. Maybe they're listening to conservative talk radio from time to time, as inaccurate as that is on a variety of issues, but getting children again to listen to the radio, not a bad thing, except for, of course, all the shot propaganda and, you know, all of that stuff, but that needs to be explained to children. And it breaks my heart again when all of this is out there 
in the media and all of that propaganda is out there and the, and the parents themselves can't even see it and don't even bother to explain it to their children. Again, you've heard me say it. You listen to a, a conservative talk show on, uh, on, on the radio. The, all the commercial breaks are Pfizer this, Pfizer that. Get your booster, get your booster. Well, explain to your children that 60 to 90% of all school employees are jabbed and that these shots are killing people and designed to kill people. Explain that to them. Explain to them the horrors of what's going on. Piece by piece, a little at a time, not to overwhelm them, but a little at a time. They will thank you when the time comes, and that time will come. May not be today, may not be tomorrow, but years down the line, they will thank you because they're going to look back at this time and what are they going to say about their parents? Are they going to say, you sent me into this criminal organization to wear masks when I could have been doing this on my own at home? I don't know if you want to be on the raw end of that or not. I don't know if anybody does. So that's my two cents on that. And I'll, I'll finish this, this quick discussion, although it's lasted over 33 minutes now, but I'll finish this discussion by reading this anonymous post. And it says the following. It says, quote, I don't know if any of you have been going through changes in your lives right now, but in the last few years, I've come to some pretty meaningful realizations, many of them revolving around the fact that I got a lot of things wrong in my past. Today, I went through my entire library and threw out books that just don't align with who I am and who I want to be. I have always found beauty in the macabre, but at this point, I just want to ask myself, what is my relationship with this content? And the truth is, I just don't want to invite any of these things into our family's lives, even if it comes disguised in beautiful colors, collecting dust on my shelves. In no way, is this post designed to put anyone down if you're into this stuff? Because I think we are all on our own journey, and I love everyone regardless of where they might be. But right now, it's never been more clear to me that there is a spiritual battle taking place, and I want to surround myself and my family with love and light. With that being said, I want to send extra love to everyone out there and hope through some of these trying times. You are making meaningful changes in your life, too. Unquote. We all have a different path, there's no doubt about that, but we have to know who the enemy is, and we have to refocus our energy and our attention on those that are trying to hurt us. Again, it's not necessarily our responsibility to wake everybody up and travel the country and yell at the top of our lungs about this, that, or the other. Ultimately, we just have to sometimes take care of ourselves first. I've never been a fan of altruism. I, I, don't, think that it's, I don't think that it's productive. We have to help ourselves and our families first. Then we can fight the enemy at another time. So, there you go. That's, that's my two cents on that. Um, Okay, shifting gears here. A lot of sex-related stuff coming out of schools these these past few days. 
Uh, I just want to read a couple of headlines and I want to dive into one specific story. This right here, however, from Fox News, a lot of people saw this because it was bouncing around. At least 181 K-12 educators charged with child sex crimes in the first half of 2022. It says 140 of the arrests or 77% involved alleged sex crimes against students. Now in the picture, of course, they were rather specific uh, to show mostly males. I assure you that uh, a great deal of these individuals are female as well. And of course, they start to break them down. There's a female, there's another male, you know, this, that, and the other. Uh, I, I also find it interesting, again, in the title where they say at least 181. The reason that they say at least is because they have to say that. It's far, it's far higher than 181, just within the first half of, uh, of this year among K-12 educators. This is an incalculable number. You can't possibly keep track of such a thing because, the, because again, for every 10 cases that you hear, of sex crimes where individuals who are working in or around K-12 schools are getting caught, there are a hundred more that are not caught. They may move from school to school. They may do a variety of different things. Even the districts themselves cover it up. Uh, So do, of course, state departments of education. They're involved as well. So... Just keep that in mind. Again, the entire apparatus is corrupt, and uh, this is this is the environment. This isn't going to get better. This is just the way that it is. I even saw this, and I'm not a fan of his, but I want to mention it because again, it's something that you've heard heard me say on a on a regular basis, and I've written about this a long time ago in in books I've written as to, as well. That it's a simple matter of mathematics. So you have this Jack Posobiec guy who I'm not a fan of. And again, he's military intel and uh, plays both sides and doesn't get down to the crux of the matter and doesn't ha- hasn't had an original thought since I don't know when. But he's out there now on his Twitter account saying, hey, look, or truth or whatever social media it is. And he's again basically saying the reason that there are so many predators in K-12 schools is because that's where the prey exists. That's where all the children are. Well, of course. Of course. You don't have to be a brilliant person to be able to figure that out. You know, it's, it's basic math. If you have a bunch of minors congregating in one area, like the church, for example, that's where you're going to have predators. Schools, churches. That's the way it goes. So, good for him for finally figuring that out, but that's not a new thing. Um, here's another one. This also (laughs) absolutely incredible and, uh, not surprising either. Nice, uh, example of karma. I think this comes from national file and it says Michigan school employee who called for LGBT lessons, mocked parents arrested for pedophilia. Eric Roman taunted parents and mocked their values as he lobbied the school board to push his LGBT agenda. And now he's been arrested for pedophilia. And this was last week. 
41 uh, year old an employee of Mount Pleasant, Michigan's public school system, was arrested as a part of an Isabella County Sheriff's Office sting operation that also saw two more alleged child predators, excuse me, put behind bars. According to local reports, Isabella County law enforcement was assisted in the sting by agents from the FBI and the Michigan State Police, among others. So there you have it. Uh, let's play a little bit of audio here from Eric Roman at one school board meeting where he's wearing a Black Lives Matter t-shirt. I'm a resident, townie, taxpayer, vaccinated and functioning, graduate of this high school class of 1999, proud member of the LGD, LGBTQIA community, and an employee of Mount Pleasant Public Schools. Thank you. I really cannot speak any more eloquently than the people who have spoken before me tonight. But what I can say is that for the last five years, I have had the profound privilege of working with your students, with your students, with your students. And I can tell you this, they are hungry for knowledge. They are so hungry for knowledge that despite your words, your wishes, your values, they will learn on their own. So many of your children are hurting, questioning, struggling in this world that we have created. They are simultaneously being taught to celebrate and to hate who they are. I can't deny that. Every day, ultimately, they will become who they will become with or without us. Give them the chance, the grace, and the support to embrace their own learning. They're going to do it anyway. No matter what you say or do, no matter how many candles you light, no matter how many rallies you hold. With liberty and justice for all. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what a pedophile Marxist sounds like. That's it. That's what a pedophile Marxist sounds like. The pedophile Marxist is telling parents to get out of the way of their children. To stop holding their children back, quote unquote. To get out of their way because they thirst for knowledge. Well, if they don't need him, then why send them to school in the first place? Because there's this large debate that has always existed. Well, not always, but I would certainly say within the last 20 years, solid. And that is that teachers know better than parents. And teachers can teach America's children better than parents can. If you're a parent and you believe this, you are sorely mistaken. And again, you've given up your rights and your responsibility to Marxist pedophiles just like this guy. Now, in the middle of that speech, there was a dad right in the back, right in front of the camera, who stood up and left. About halfway through the speech, he was like, I'm out of here, and he just gets up and leaves. You can see the look on his face. It's priceless. It's absolutely priceless. This is a pedophile. He was a pedophile. 
if people like this speak in board meetings, you should assume that they are pedophiles. That's not wrong of you to make that assumption. Listen to what he said. Now listen to how, how many other people have said the same kinds of things within board meetings. Or within open houses, or what, you know, whatever it is. I just, it continues to perplex me that people keep playing this game called American K-12 schools. American public school that is government-run as we know it, that was the experiment. And it's failed, miserably, because homeschooling has been around since the beginning of time. But at the beginning of the 19th century, that's when government-run schools were created. How's it going so far? How's everybody liking it so far? How about we get back to making our ancestors proud of ourselves and we get government out of our lives? How about that? Well, good riddance to this Marxist pedophile. Because, uh, yeah, he wants society and himself to destroy your children. And you can't let that happen. Because, again, he's the enemy. Here's the next one, speaking of pedophiles. This comes from TexasScorecard.com. Titled, Sting Video Catches Texas Teacher Trying to Meet Teen for Sex. The principal said the middle school teacher is no longer employed by Garland ISD. This was from July 22nd. Another North Texas teacher caught in a sex-related scandal involving kids is no longer working within the school district thanks to exposure by a Dallas actor and comedian. On Wednesday, Cassidy Campbell posted a video on his YouTube channel of a man arriving at his residence expecting to meet a 14-year-old boy for sex only to discover that he had been caught in a sting operation. Because Campbell is known for prank videos, some videos thought the sting video was a parody. It was no joke. Garland Independent School District officials occur, occur, um, sorry, confirmed on Thursday that the man seen in the video identified by Campbell as 28-year-old Christian Ayala, a middle school fine arts teacher, was one of their employees. A July 21st letter from Brandenburg Middle School Principal Randy King said that the video showed a GISD teacher attempting to engage in illegal activity, and as of this morning, that teacher is no longer employed. Uh, King's letter, blah, blah, blah. Campbell tried to contact the school before, put out the video, blah, 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 and remains an ongoing investigation with law enforcement. Well, he should be tried and convicted and become a registered sex offender. And that's that. So, this one got caught in a sting operation by a comedian. Think of what other pedophiles aren't being caught in sting operations that are just roaming the halls on a day-in and day-out basis. It's happening all over the place, ladies and gentlemen. It's incalculable. We we can't possibly we can't possibly calculate how often this is occurring. Which leads me to this next brief discussion. There was a post online on an anonymous chat board that had to do with asking the question about sex education. 
and how in schools, the business of sex education, of course, has become a thing over the last 20, 30 years or so, if not longer than that. And why haven't we had what this person referred to as coupling education? See, I agree with what this person was saying, and I'm basically going to paraphrase what they said. And it's a very good post. It's poorly written, but it was very good. And they said, again, if, they, if schools spent any time discussing anything like this, relationships, whatever, that it didn't need to be based in the act of having sex or not having sex. It should have been way before that. It should have been surrounded by whether or not to have a relationship with someone or not. Whether or not to, to date someone or not. Dating education, as it might be called. But in this particular case, they call it coupling education because what have we seen? We've seen the degeneration of couples, the increase in divorce, in, in, countless individuals not interested in, in dating at all. And of course, that's a next to impossible task these days. But the casual nature of the word sex and then that being introduced to children within schools, I agree, is completely inappropriate. Now, you're listening to a guy who taught, quote-unquote, sex education. I never really called it that, though, because I didn't, li I didn't, I didn't like that. So I, I called it and always referenced it within my classes under the reproductive health of, of human beings, because that's also what it is, because you're talking again about the potential for the cycle of abuse, which is reproductive health. You don't want to, I'm not just talking about organs per se, although I covered all of that stuff, but you, you don't want to reproduce negative behavior. And as we know, there are endless parents and families that are destroyed as a result of, again, sexual crime or physical abuse or whatever it is, but real reproductive health has to do with protecting your reproductive organs, but also your ability to reproduce and then reproduce the right kind of people and reproduce well-rounded children who are civil and moral, etc., etc. That was basically the gist of their post, and I agree with it 100%. If there was coupling education, although it should be the family that covers that, but getting rid of the words sex education and maybe turning it more toward, as this person says, coupling education, I just called it reproductive health, although even that, unfortunately, has been perverted into abortion. That reproductive, that the phrase reproductive health now means abortion and has meant that for quite some time. That's not what I meant when I said reproductive health as a school teacher. That was not, that was not what I covered. Not by a long shot. But this right here again is unfortunately the plight of the Marxist is word manipulation so that even if you say something as authentic as, as you may be on a particular issue, people will twist it the other way. So it's a dead end because, again, this is what Marxists want. They want the degenerate behavior within K-12 schools and universities all of the time. They want to replace the family. They want to replace 
civility. They want to replace any sense of moral behavior whatsoever because they don't like the nuclear family. They want it gone all of the time, forever. They just want every child to be liquid so that every child can be preyed upon. And uh, yeah, if you need another reason, ladies and gentlemen, there it is. Okay. I've got some jab stuff here. And um, it's not looking good for Canadians, to say the least. It's not looking good for anybody. But this comes from the expose. This was bouncing around last week, too. It's titled Communist Trudeau Panics After His Government Reveals the Quadruple Slash Triple Vaccinated Now Account for 92% of COVID Deaths Across Canada. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not going to trick Fidel Castro's son into changing his mind. He's the gaslighter in chief, this guy. He's a full blown psychopath and a pedophile. So when he says anything about this, or of course he wouldn't even touch this with a 10 foot pole because he can't, but if he says anything related to the jabs and again how people need to keep getting their jabs, um, you know, he's trying to kill you. That's, that's about all I can say. And he's certainly doing that with a farming business as well, from what I, from what I can surmise, that he is uh, clamping down on the sale and production and distribution of fertilizer. Again, these people are trying to kill us. The question becomes, what are we going to do about it? How much longer are we going to sit around and just let this happen? Again, the protests have been great. All of that galvanized a great deal of people. But what's going to happen next? What are we prepared to do next? These are the questions that I have in my mind. Because they're not done. These people are not done. Which really brings me to this next thing. And then I want to mention just a couple other jab-related things. First of all, you recall me bringing up a while back all the WHO and World Economic Forum stuff, in particular WHO, about their global pandemic treaties and all of that. That's still going forward. There was a slight pause because of the public outrage, and thank God for the public outrage, because again, it wasn't fear propaganda. That's not what it was. It was very real. Well, now they've let some time pass because things have settled down, and now they're going through with it anyway. So what are we seeing them do now? We're seeing them push the monkeypox lie again. Rochelle Walensky from the CDC is out there saying that they're finding it in children who happen to be around gay dudes, and that it's somehow spreading among the gay population. Ladies and gentlemen, they injected it into themselves. That it's that simple. Monkeypox stuff is a lie. All of this is a lie. All we're watching are jabbed people fall ill from the jabs. That's it. They have AIDS now. They have destroyed immune systems, and it's only a matter of time before those negative immune side effects, so to speak, start to show themselves on the outside of the body or even on the inside of the body without being able to see it on the outside of the body. This is, this is it. So they're using all of this, of course, because they're using this to manipulate the media. And the media, of course, manipulates the people then who still listen to the media. 
and um, they're playing this hand. They're playing this card. And isn't the timing interesting? Isn't the timing just perfect? School's right around the corner. We're a week away from countless schools opening. More will open throughout the entire course of the next month. Universities will start to open toward the end of August, beginning of September. Then what? Who's going to play this game again? Because one of the things that I'm going to do again, like I did last year and the year before, I'm going to keep driving around Miami University at very specific times of the day. And I'm going to start doing head counts. I'm going to do head counts as to how many university students I'm seeing, what it used to look like, what it looks like now. I'll start to gauge whether or not I see an uptick or not. It's going to be pretty obvious, I think, that there's not going to be an uptick because they're still asking their students and telling their students that they have to be jabbed. So for all of those juniors and seniors over the last two years in the, at the high school level, why in the hell would you come here if you're not jabbed? Why would you all of a sudden take a jab and be like, you know where I want to go? I've survived the, the worst psychological operation in the history of man thus far that's been perpetuated on everyone around the world. But now all of a sudden I'm going to take the shots just because I want to go to college. Who's going to do that? There will be people who do, unfortunately. There will be people who do. Here's another article. Peer-reviewed comes from Science Direct under the category of journals and books in the Journal of Food and Chemical Toxicology from the month of June. Quote, innate immune suppression by SARS-CoV-2 mRNA vaccinations. The role of G quadruplexes, exosomes, and microRNAs. I'm going to just read the highlights here. Bullet points. Number one, mRNA vaccines promote sustained synthesis of the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein. Well, there's no such thing as SARS-CoV-2, but spike proteins, yes, there are. Which means, again, they're openly admitting that the vaccines produce spike proteins. It says the spike protein is neurotoxic and it impairs DNA repair mechanisms. It kills your DNA. Number three, suppression of type 1 interferon responses results in impaired innate immunity. It destroys your innate immune system. Number four, the mRNA vaccines potentially cause increased risk in infectious diseases and cancer. Yeah, sure does. Number five, and finally, codone optim optimization results in G-rich mRNA that has unpredictable complex effects. I don't know what that means, but it sounds terrible. And then, of course, we also have uh, Dr. Burks coming out and throwing Anthony Fauci under the bus and saying that they were all in disagreement, and then they know that the jabs don't work, and they were pushing the jabs anyway, and all of that. In fact, I'm shocked that more people aren't going after Dr. Burks, the scarf queen, as the late Rush Limbaugh coined the phrase, that uh, more people aren't focused on her and these quotations that she has, again, where she's openly saying that they were aware that this was too fast, that these shots don't work, that they are hurting people, 
and so on and so forth. It, uh, it's incredible. People should be focusing on her, and frankly, I can think of a better use for those scarves, if you know what I'm saying. And I think you do. Okay, Simone Gold. I'm sorry to have to bring her up again, but, uh, you know, she just seems to be the lying gift that keeps on giving. Because she's making the rounds yet again, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, most recently, I believe, she was on Dinesh D'Souza's podcast, screaming and yelling and ranting. DC's corrupt. I just can't believe it. I can't believe how corrupt it is. And last week, she was on uh, Kate Daly's show. And I got to tell you, there, there is a thing here that, that really bothers me. Um, Kate Daly was very nice to me. She was kind enough to reach out, and I was on her show once. And she wanted me back a couple of weeks later, and I basically told her no thanks. I said, uh, people are going to have to figure this out on their own. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't think I said no thanks, but I think I just said, let's just give this some time. Let's let this die down a little bit and let's keep paying attention to it and let's just give this some time. She's like, oh, well, no problem. Anytime you want to come back. I said, well, I appreciate it and thank you for having me on. Very nice, very friendly. The part I don't agree with here is just the blind forfeiture of intellect to someone like Simone Gold. I don't get it. I don't understand why people just blindly just sort of go, well, she has it all figured out. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to revisit this briefly. I'm even going to play some audio from the Kate Daly show where she was on uh, InfoWars for, again, approximately an hour with Simone Gold. When this came on and she said, stay tuned for a very special uh, interview with Simone Gold, I immediately went, oh, hell no. Not again. I can't do this again. I can't listen to her lie through her teeth yet again. And play the victim and I don't believe, you know, I don't know why everything is corrupt. and just. Yeah. The naivete is astounding to me. Um, but I thought to myself, no, Sean, you need to listen to this. You need to hear what she has to say so that you can bring it to the people and maybe expose her just a little bit more. Because again, I fully understand that a lot of people give her a lot of credit, and rightfully so. But you have to understand, ladies and gentlemen, that Milk only tastes so good for so long. Eventually, the carton goes bad, and she's gone bad. She's showing more and more on a day-in, day-out basis what a grifter she has become. She again has apparently, allegedly, a website, goldcure.com. Now, I've looked up this website. Maybe I'm stupid on the internet, but I can't find it. I can't find it. And apparently now she's in the supplement game or trying to get into the supplement game. In this interview with Kate Daly, she also had the audacity to bring up two major points that I've brought up in the past regarding her hypocrisy, because she's a liar and she, she's just now lying. The first has to do with her walking into the building on January 6th. She's lied about this time and time again. I saw her give a speech live in person, not over the computer. I traveled here. I saw her. I listened to her talk. I live, again, about an hour north of Cincinnati. I drove down to Cincinnati in this theater where she was giving a lecture, the America's Frontline Doctors Tour. 
And I think Dr. Mark McDonald was there also, and he gave a brief speech before she did. She was remarkably proud, ladies and gentlemen, when it came to giving her speech inside of the Capitol building. In fact, her story was quite literally, I was supposed to give a speech outside of the Capitol building, and then after Donald Trump gave his speech, we all started to move toward the Capitol, and I was moving toward my scaffolding stage thing where I was supposed to give a speech. But they had already deconstructed it and taken it down. So where was I supposed to give a speech? She said in the Cincinnati lecture, along with countless other lectures, that she couldn't find a better place nor think of a better place to give her speech than inside the Capitol building. That that would arguably be the most patriotic thing that she could do. That's what she said. Hand to God, I was there, I heard her say it. Now listen to what she says on the Kate Daly show from her own mouth about how she ended up inside of the Capitol building. The reason I was on the east side, people don't realize this, is I was actually an invited guest speaker that day. There was 20 or 25 people that were invited guest speakers at various locations, and I made my way along with about 25 other people, kind of in a Congo line, to that location. And when we got to that permitted spot, which was, you know, kind of a platform and a stage and um, microphones set up, all of a sudden we were not allowed in. And I, I see that video that you're showing right now. Um, I, when I was inside the Capitol, which I'll, I'll explain how I got there, but there I was giving my speech. But the reason I was forced to give a speech inside the Capitol is the permitted area was summarily uh, not accessible to us at the last moment. Forced to give a speech. Forced. I'm not done playing this audio. Please stick around. I'm going to keep playing it. Forced to give a speech. Forced. Who forced her? Was there a gun to her head? You're going to give a speech inside of the Capitol building. The funny part is, and the hypocritical part of this entire charade, is that when you're being interviewed, again, by the InfoWars staff or they're producing all of this, as you're talking, they're showing video footage. In this particular case, during this interview, they were showing video footage of Simone Gold willfully walking right through the Capitol building with her alleged boyfriend handler, that John Stroud guy, Strand, I think his name is. I really don't care. He's a goofball anyway. But there's no one around them. It's just them. And maybe like half a dozen people in front and half a dozen people behind them. That's it. They are making a beeline inside of the building, not this, we had nowhere to go and the crowd was so big we got pushed. Simone Gold is a liar. She's a liar. The reason I'm railing on her this hard is because I had a feeling about her a year ago when I actually watched her and I thought, she's not saying anything new. And she's got a lot of cameras around her and a lot of handlers and a lot of people and this doesn't seem right. Because she doesn't seem right. She doesn't seem well. So I'm going to keep playing because, again, she continues to admit uh, just ridiculous behavior on her own part because it contradicts everything that she has said in the past and grifted off in the past. 
What I do all through the lockdowns was I speak on, on health policy and health freedom, constitutional freedom around people's health and their own bodies. So I decided to do that. I had my speech in hand and I, I was at the top of the Capitol steps and I started giving my speech. Welcome back to the Alex Jones Show. I'm Kate Daly, your guest host from kdalyradio.com, the Kate Daly Show. My very important guest in this hour is Dr. Gold, and I am so glad that she decided to spend some time with me in this hour because I want to learn straight from her what happened on January 6th. She has been sentenced to do time in federal prison. This is, uh, it's beyond what I can even fathom, and I'm sure it is for her too. And so let's go back right back. You were you were an invited guest. You were on the east side, and and then you started to approach where you were going to speak. The place we were due to speak, uh, somebody in a position of authority canceled it, and I was left standing there with knowing there was tens of thousands of people that were walking over from the ellipse, and there was already tens of thousands of people. So I decided to speak. Really, is what I did. So I was standing on the top of the Capitol steps. Speaking now, I had no AV equipment, so really almost nobody could hear me. So I stopped after about a minute or two. But that's why I was on the top of the Capitol steps. And at some point, somebody opened them from the inside, and I walked in along with other people. I want to emphasize that had I chosen not to walk in, I would have been trampled. Having said that, I, you know, I wasn't thinking of it one way or another. But when you come to it from a legal perspective, there was nowhere to go but inside when there's tens of thousands of people pushing behind you. That's how I found myself in the Capitol. She's a liar. Absolutely ridiculous. She's just a liar. Beam her up, Scotty. Let's beam her up. She must have been on the Starship Enterprise then and standing on the teleportation thing. That's, that, that must be how she got inside of the building. Because again, according to her, and the video that's playing as she's talking contradicts exactly what she's saying. That there was nowhere for her to go, she was being pushed in, and she would have been trampled. All of that is a lie, because she's a liar. You see, here's the problem. I, there, well, there are lots of problems with this. There's also a thing, I, oh well, okay, I'm trying to organize my thoughts here. First of all, if you're saying who cares, she's low-hanging fruit, uh, you know, whatever. I'm trying to I'm trying to explain this to people that these individuals that were seemingly at the forefront of waking people up ladies and gentlemen many of them are in this for promotional reasons. They're just in it for promotional reasons. That's all. And those nefarious reasons look what look what it's gotten her. It's allegedly now gotten her um what? 60 days in jail. Six months, 60 days, something like that. Uh, you, you know, th that right there should tell you that you can only grift for so long and lie for so long and not wake up for so long before there are consequences. Again, Alex Jones was standing outside of the Capitol building screaming at people to not go in because it was a false flag and a setup. Not so with Simone Gold. No, no, no. Her and her alleged boyfriend decided to run in and made sure that they had plenty of cameras on her giving her speech so that they could then upload it and then share it with the world because we need Simone Gold. Oh God, if we don't have her around, what will happen to us? We'll all just disintegrate. It's ridiculous. This is not a promotional thing. This is not an opportunity to grift. 
And if she does not know, which she clearly doesn't, and she's finding out the hard way, fine by me in this case, that DC is corrupt. Their judicial system is corrupt. Politicians are corrupt. Welcome to the fold, Simone Gold. Welcome to the party, pal. Because we've been here a long time. And apparently, you haven't figured this out yet. Because again, she took the plea deal because she didn't do want to do longer a longer time a lo- you know a longer stint in jail but to then look at people and say there was nowhere for her to go it wasn't her choice that is an utter lie it's disgusting because i don't like liars that's all it really just boils down to that it's pretty simple i just don't like liars i don't like people that say one thing one day and then they turn around and say the exact opposite the next that bothers me. And then they try to make money off of that. Like some vulture. I don't think so. Not a, I'm just not a fan. Not a fan, won't be a fan. There's another thing too, which by the way, I highly recommend looking up that entire talk. It was about 39 minutes long, her and Kate Daly, back on uh, July 21st, if I'm not mistaken. Again, it was last Wednesday. Um, you can hear it in her voice that when she's talking about And I'm going to do a little Bombard's body language breakdown here because this is something that you can pick up when it comes to the syntax and the intonation of a person's voice. In her case, when she drops her voice, she's trying to formulate a story because she's sticking to a script. She's been told by her lawyer to now say the following. Just say this. Say that you had nowhere to go. You were being pushed in. I mean, these are things her lawyer told her. Or these were things that she schemed behind the scenes with other people to try to make it look like she was an innocent party. Again, I don't think walking into the Capitol building is a crime per se, but it was a false flag and you should have known that because where she was standing outside of the Capitol building, you could have seen the rioting. You could have seen the giant crowd. Again, I don't know about you, but back in the day when I would go to a concert, uh, if there was, you know, the amphitheater and then the lawn, I would sort of stay back. I wouldn't be the people that would rush to the front bar and get squeezed and pushed in. I would stay back because, well, that's where people get hurt. Not so with her, because it was a publicity stunt that she had to get on camera so that she could make money off of it. Look, I did a thing. Now the question becomes for me, how many people are actually associating with America's frontline doctors? When was the last time you saw these people get together in the same room, all wearing their white lab coats with that America's Frontline Doctors logo on their coat? Funny how that all disintegrated. Funny how that all just went away. Because a year ago when I was in San Antonio for their second annual White Coat Summit, I was there. People who have listened to this podcast know that. When I was there, one of the things they brought up was, we can't wait for the day. When a year from then, which would be now, that we could all get together and we could talk about the victories and we could talk about how we've all won this war and we can come back here for the third annual White Coat Summit. I remember sitting there and listening to her say that and saying almost out loud, because no one was really around me. I was just kind of at this table sort of all by myself, but I was sitting there and I remember saying out loud, you're not going to be here a year from now. This won't happen again because you don't know what's coming. You don't know what's going to happen. 
You're not going to be meeting up as a, as a giant group because what's happened with that group of quote unquote America's frontline doctors is they've all scattered. All of them have scattered now. They don't affiliate with each other. They don't associate with each other. They might occasionally bring something up that the other person said, but that's about it. They've all gone their own way. And Simone Gold has been exposed as being the grifter. There might be others. I don't know. But as you heard me say a year ago when I was reporting on what went on there and my observations of what went on there, I was astounded at how many people were dead asleep at the larger picture and the bigger scheme of corruption and depopulation. They had no idea, not a clue. But Simone Gold in this interview, again, her voice will go up and down, up and down, up and down. It drops when she's trying to say what her lawyer said, but then she gets really loud and just starts screeching. I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. I'm a doctor and a lawyer. I'm a lawyer and a doctor. I mean, she just, she hits this note that I can't hit. I just can't hit it. I like to think that, you know, when I'm in the shower, I can sing kind of high, but, you know, I, I can't hit, I can't hit these high notes that she hits. Um, people need to distance themselves from her. End of story. She's going to keep trying to grift from going to jail. Uh, stop, stop buying into this. Stop buying into it. The sh her, her ship has sailed. The milk's gone bad. She's stale now. Um, let her go. Just let her go. That's my two cents on Simone Gold. I might have to bring her up in the future. I really don't want to, but, you know, damn it. I just don't like, I don't like those people. I don't like that kind of person. I've, I never have. I still don't. It's, it's, not a, it's not a kind of person I enjoy. Okay. And you might be saying the same thing about me, and, you know, that's fine. Go listen to Simone Gold then. Um, here's the last brief article I want to mention. And I know this has been a, a long episode. My apologies on that if, if you're not down with it. But uh, this comes from, I'm, in fact, I'm going to link this article in the description below. This will be the only link in the description because I highly recommend you read this. This comes from politicalmoonshine.com, and it's titled Pattern Recognition, Monkeypox, Midterms, and More Enterprise Fraud. Tedros, WHO, declares public health emergency of international concern. So I'm just going to read the first paragraph, uh, and then I'll leave the rest to you to read. I, again, I highly recommend it. It says, quote, earlier today and under the cover of the Saturday on the weekend, WHO Director Tedros Adnan Gebrisius, if I'm saying that right, don't care, uh, declared a public health emergency of international concern, P-H-E-I-C. They love their acronyms, don't they? For monkeypox, this development should cause Americans to sit up and take note because it represents a distinct incidence of pattern recognition relative to the enterprise fraud construct that people mistakenly call the COVID-19 pandemic. Okay, I'm going to link it in the description. Again, I highly recommend you check it out. It's got a nice little timeline of the events back, dating back to 2020. Um, it's got some other links, plenty of other articles associated with it as well. And it basically, again, says 
the midterms are coming up. They need to ramp this up. They need to ramp up the fear. They need to have some kind of a lockdown again because they know that if they rely solely on their corrupt voting machines and the mules and the ballot harvesting and all of it, that even through all of that, they might not win. So they need something else to scare people. And this is their plan. And they're telling us their plan, and we're trying to tell other people what their plan is. And it should be taken seriously, and it should be analyzed and thought about and considered. Because, as we know, we can walk and chew gum at the exact same time. With that said, I'll catch you on Wednesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care, and God bless.